Analects 2.7. Gio asked about Xiao filiality. The master said, these days, people are considered filial simply because they provide for their parents. But even dogs and horses are given that much care. If you are not Jing, respectful in both behavior and feeling, then what is the difference? For the past few analects, we have been talking about Xiao. We recognize that the parent-child relation is not an easy one, and it is something that needs to be worked on. In other words, children are not born simply filial. We also recognize society's role in making the parent-child relationship more difficult and all familial relationships more difficult. And of course, because government is the leader of society, it also gets the proportional blame. So we've already talked about these matters. I like this one analect because it's a very important point that is being made that you don't want to think only materialistically about your relationships, including that of your parents. So there's two ways to start looking at this. One is in terms of, of course, the parent-child relation. And then two, how to understand the importance of Jing, which is the proper behavior and feeling with regards to any relationship that a person has. So we'll talk about how this applies to parent, the parent-child relationship first. These days, people don't really even materialistically provide for their parents. And we have discussed why that is in the previous few analogs, but to summarize, we've got certain problems of people don't have very many children, you don't live in the same place, you're not even in the same neighborhood, and so it's very difficult financially to support your parents. And on top of that, your parents might have some sort of retirement fund, and so they're keeping a large share of their financial ability to themselves, and so they set you off as a young person to fend, on your, uh, to fend for yourself some people even kick their children out immediately when they turn 18, as if this is some kind of magical number that has basis in reality and not just a figment of the laws of imagination. So this already creates a problem. And then so when these people turn old and they rely on their retirement funds, but the stock market isn't doing well when they retire or inflation has essentially destroyed the value of their savings or financial portfolio, whatever it is, they start to come back and they, they, they realize they need a lot more help, a lot of more money, but there's very little to go off of. And so people today, the statement that Confucius is saying, it can apply just to today. If you find somebody who physically cares for their parents, people will say, oh, this is such a good son. This is such a good daughter. But he makes this point even dogs and horses, animals, are given them that much care. Back then, dogs and horses had a more 
uh, had more of a practical role. These days, people have horses and dogs simply because they need something to pour their affection towards. And usually these people don't have very many children of their own. This is itself a very interesting topic. We'll talk about why people want to have pets and not children and whether or not this really makes sense. We'll get to that towards the end of today's lecture. But when we're thinking about parents, you want to be Jing. And Jing means to be respectful in both your behavior, but also your inner feeling, your emotion. And this is not something that is easy, but again, once you remind yourself that uh, your parents are unique to you, you only have one mother, you only have one father, and one day they will be gone. They won't exist anymore in the sense that you can talk to them and the sense that you can change your relationship with them and so forth, that once they're, they've passed away, um, you're disconnected. And so being Jing, uh, respectful in both your behavior and feeling, it is something that is something we should aspire towards. And uh, when we're thinking about animals, we just feed them. We have some affection for them, perhaps. We shelter them. But when it comes to a human relation, it should go beyond this. There should be that proper feeling that we should aspire towards, even if we don't have it at the moment, either if we're talking about, you know, moment to moment life, for example, you just get really upset at your parents, um, or if we're talking about in general, you don't have a good relationship overall with your parents. <clears throat> so this, this of course is important because you only have one set of parents, you only have one father, one mother, and this is where you do come from. This is for both good and bad, your inheritance in terms of nearly everything, not just financial inheritance, but your physical resemblance, uh, a lot of your personality quirks. I've met father and son pairs where I find out, I realize they laugh in the same way, uh, not at the, necessarily at the same jokes, but the, the laughing sound they make is actually exactly the same very uncanny and and uh, there's a lot of, you know you also inherit intelligence uh, generally your uh, intellectual ability from your parents many many things come inherited from your parents and so you have this kind of unique relationship with a person that is very much like you even though you may have grown up in very different ways if if you meet a person who does not respect his father, you don't get a good image of this person. You have kind of a, you know, if you feel like there's something wrong with, of course, his past, but maybe with that uh, himself. And we instinctively feel this way because I think instinctively rec we recognize that uh, the parent, the, the child uh, inherits a lot from the parent and the parent-child relationship is something that's very critical in terms of developing the child's personality. So we already get a kind of a negative image uh, when we see this. 
Also, think about it this way. By respecting your father, you respect yourself, especially if you are uh, a man. So if you're a man, by respecting your father, you are ultimately respecting yourself because you do inherit a lot from your father. You even inherit his last name. Um, but beyond that, you inherit his, a lot of his qualities that are both physical and non-physical. So at the very least in public, don't show disrespect to your parents. Don't do that. It ultimately reflects very poorly on you. Not only that people think, oh, this is not a good son, but by people don't really believe that children are too different from their parents. Whether this is true for every single individual is not something that concerns most people. So they see the son, they have no respect for the father or little respect for the father. And then that ultimately results in people not respecting the son either. Because what people do is they see, oh, look at that kid, his father's no good, he's probably, that kid's probably not very good either. It's all just instinctual. I'm not saying people will actually make that argument, but it's just a feeling you get. Just like when you see somebody who is uh, ugly, nobody says, except for really, you know, big jerks, nobody says, oh, that girl's really ugly. Nobody says that, but everybody's thinking it. So it's, it's instinctual. That's what I mean by instinctual. So you want to be filial, you want to be Jing in your filial relation. Uh, you want to be respectful in your behavior, for, uh, certainly. And you want to be respectful in terms of, of uh, feeling. And you want to always make sure of that. Uh, the flip side is, if you're a parent, don't try to be friends with your children. That's not the relationship you have. And you don't want to mix up relationships. If you are somebody's father and that person is an adult, don't try to be a teacher or instructor to that son or daughter. Instead, Mencia says, just have a relationship based on affection. Because if you try to act as a teacher, you're just going to ruin that relationship because teachers often have to discipline their students and lecture them, yell at them, instruct them, and so forth. If you are, um, you know, you don't want to mix in friendship into your relationships either. That even includes husband and wife relationships. You can have friendly relations. That's, that's this is true. You can have friendly relationships, but a friendship is different from a friendly relation, um, even though the, these have the same root words, they end up meaning different things uh, with the suffixes. So friendly means cordial, kind, but a friendship is more demanding than this. A f two friends, what they owe to each other are things like loyalty, criticism, 
for example, you notice your friend, he's not doing something morally correct or simply practically correct. Maybe he is, uh, maybe he's cooking meals incorrectly or going about dating in a stupid manner. Then it's your responsibility to point this out and say, hey, there's a better way of doing these things. And you owe your friends, of course, a basic level of respect. So you owe certain things to your friends. And most significantly, this is a relation of, of homogenous reciprocity. So in other words, what one friend owes the other friend is exactly what he owes the first friend. So if, uh, you know, um, Bob and Charlie are friends, they owe each other the same duties. That's different from any other relation where there is reciprocity, but it's not the same things. So, for example, a student owes the teacher much different things than the teacher owes the student. And this is true for every other relation. And this is a topic I do discuss in um, in Dong and Family, that lecture series. Uh, you know, for example, what do husbands and wives owe each other that are different, depending on whether you're the husband or wife, and what are the same. So, when we're thinking about Jing, then what you uh, if you want your children to have a Jing attitude towards you, a Jing approach to you, don't try to befriend them. You also need to act in a way that is in accordance with ritual propriety, Li, because this is what allows a relationship to have more of a sense of respect both ways. So, you know, don't be sitting in the bathroom uh, calling for your your son, asking him if he did his homework, that's of course not ritual propriety. Unfortunately, I've heard of such stories. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about how this applies to relations in general since we're already somewhat in that topic. This, I think, is a great way to frame it. Even dogs and horses are given that much care. I think it's really kind of amazing. Now let's talk about the pets first, actually. It's really kind of amazing. I see people, uh, especially in certain um, cultures uh, in the world, they are carrying their dogs everywhere. They demand that you respect them. They demand that you have all this love and affection for them. They're, in, a, in essence, like spoiled children to their owners. It's really quite amazing. In Confucian thought, and not only in Confucian thought, the human being is much greater than, than birds and beasts because we have certain capacities that birds and beasts do not have, such as Jing, the feeling of respect and reverence. That is something that's unique to human beings. So your dog can be very affectionate and loyal but it will still do things like urinate right in front of you. 
and defecate right in front of you because it has no capacity for reverence. Some dogs even eat the, you know, if their owners die in the house, they start to eat the corpse in 24 hours because in a sense, that's a very practical behavior, survival behavior, but realistically, there's no sense of reverence. That's why they're acting like that. There's no sense of gene. And of course, animals are not really capable of, a, of concepts like e-morality. They do act in sort of uh, loyal or affectionate or compassionate ways, but they are not acting on principles of morality or trying to follow that. And they don't have a sense of beauty and that is uh, related to a sense of reverence and a sense of, um, well, beauty is actually its own kind of uh, dimension. That's how I would actually put it. And this is something that I explore, uh, well, I explore very much on the lecture series of, for the Shunzi uh, in the chapter about ritual. And we'll also cover this later in the Analects when we talk about music, because music and ritual relate to our capacity to experience and even create beauty. So with pets, they are animals, they are fundamentally lower than the human beings. Now it's true, some human beings, they, cult, they uh, develop themselves and use their free will and their individual will to turn themselves into entities far lower than dogs and horses. And those are the very perverse sociopathic, perhaps, monsters out there. Uh, the kinds of people that nobody really disagrees they should be executed under the law. So they, they are out there. I'm not saying those people are better than animals as an individual, but I am saying the general category of human being is higher than the general category of animals. Why is it that people adore their pets so much and, in a sense, obsess over their pets? I've, I've had pets before and, you know, many people have had pets. But some people, they take it to a different level. Their pets are always with them when they're going to the restaurants, when they're going grocery shopping, when they're in the bedroom trying to sleep. It's not like back then where the horses had their own housing and the dogs are outside and they have their dog house. Instead, they're just simply everywhere. And why is it that you have the situation where uh, people are very sensitive about their dogs? So if you say, oh, I think you should leave your dog, they get personally outside, they get very personally offended, even though they're the ones who brought their dog to where you are living and sleeping. So why are people like this? I would say it's because they have very poor relations in general with other people. And so they have this need for affection, they have this need for loyalty, but they are a lot of these guys are not getting this in 
normal human relations. So this is why we have this uh, stereotype of, uh, or it's not even a stereotype, it's really more of an archetype at this point, of the crazy cat lady. Because she doesn't have a husband, she doesn't have children, so she just collects a bunch of cats who have no sense of loyalty really, uh, or even if they do have some degree of loyalty, they don't have, of course, a capacity for gene. So the old cat lady dies inside her apartment and the cats all eat her up. So the that's that's a very archetypal situation, but this, this can happen in many other kinds of uh, situations too. People who are women who are, you know, 30 turn to going on to 35 and they just have this dog that they carry everywhere. Um, this is, you know, it, this is related, of course. This is essentially a subset of that archetype. So you have uh, people, they don't have good relations. Another thing that is probably the case, not necessarily what all of these pet owners that are obsessed with their pets, and again, I'm not saying if you are a pet owner, automatically you are one of these crazy people. But there are some people that um, this this kind of goes back to uh, this goes outside of the realm of Confucian thought, strictly speaking. Uh, but if we're thinking about what Socrates says in Plato's Republic about democracies and people like them, he does mention how these people and their animals, uh, the animals do not have, they lose their respect and fear for human uh, of human beings. And they'll just walk wherever they want, charge at you even. And uh, he says the she dogs are as good as the she mistresses. So this kind of should remind you even of the modern version of this where you've got these women, they carry out a little poodle in their purse. Uh, and so by saying this, they're saying the dog isn't, you know, the, the owner isn't any better than the dog. And, um, you know, I, I, part of kind of the um, understanding of what people are like in a democratic culture, a culture and a democracy, is that people have a side of them that's very tyrannical. They're kind of a tyrant and they want to dominate other people and they want to tell other people what to do and control other people because there's just overall all this chaos in society. And so there's a part of person that wants to have complete control over something. And this can end up manifesting in different ways. Of course, some people are obsessive over their career. Some people are obsessive over their appearance. Um, some people are, are obsessed over their uh, health workout routines, their diet. But you can also be obsessed over controlling your dog's life. Some people are obsessed with controlling their one child's life too, you know, helicopter parents, as, they're, as they've been called the last few years or so. And so this is, this is perhaps what's also going on. But the point is animals are not deserving of gene. People are. So let's talk about some other relations. Um, we've already talked about husband and wife and friendships a bit, but with husbands and husbands and wife, there needs to be that inner feeling, because it's not enough that, for example, the wife um, doesn't sleep with anybody else besides the husband. She shouldn't be lusting after any other men either. So that's 
similar to this idea that it's not only your behavior that is important, it's also what's in your heart, your feelings. So the wife and the husband, they should really truly adore each other from, from their heart. Okay, one last relation to talk about the government and its people. Because I like this, because our government, whenever it's tasked with helping out the people in general, it's always to treat people like they're animals. Make sure they have money to, to be fed. Make sure they have housing. You know, really, really materialistic things. And the whole point of 2.7, Analytics 2.7, is that you shouldn't only think materialistically, you should think about uh, the relationship in a spiritual manner. So governments should look out for the moral and virtuous well-being of the people. Make sure that the people have good culture. Make sure that the people have good character. Make sure that the people have good relations within their family. Shunzu says that without, without the uh, wise and kingly rule, then people relationships will not work well. So he says the reign of a true king is what makes a community harmonious. And without the true king, relations between father and son will not be close. Relations between brothers will not be smooth. Relations between man and woman will not be happy. And so the true king is one who raises the people as though caring for a newborn. And that's how he would transform the people. And it's not only through laws, but through personal example, through patronizing cultural works, or if the king himself is talented enough, creating cultural works. Good music, good stories, whether we're talking about film and television or, or written fiction, reforming ceremonies, reforming holidays, all of these things are how governments can have proper respect in both action and feeling for their people. Because if the government is just going to treat us like dogs and horses, we get the situation we have now. Uh, like, for example, at the airport, you're just corralled into very tight spaces. And then in order to, quote unquote, keep you safe, and by that they mean physically, they destroy you spiritually. How? By using these machines to scan underneath and see what you look like without your clothes on, which is excruciatingly demeaning. By uh, maybe outside the airport, um, investigating and recording and searching everything that you do. Um, and uh, furthermore, by having all these, these laws and rules that in the last couple of years perhaps kept you at home, kept you from being with family, 
all to make sure that people don't die another year. And all of this is like how many uh, farmers and ranchers might think about raising their livestock today. In other words, these chickens are not free range or anything like that. Uh, you get a lot of these chickens, they live as long as you want them to before slaughter, of course, and you do preserve their lives, but what kind of lives are they living? So why should we have human beings be the same way where, yes, we do get to have things like refrigerators and air conditioning. We do get to have uh, a bunch of cheap food, cheaply processed food. But are we happy? Are we moral? Do we have happy family lives? Is there a lot of beauty in the culture? And the answer is very obviously no. So this 2.7 is not something that only applies to your relationship with your parents, this idea of gene, but it also extends to every other kind of relation, personal and abstract, between husband and wives, between friends, um, and of course, how the government should both conduct itself and what kind of policies it should have in order to raise the people, not just materialistically, but spiritually and morally as well.